In this podcast, we have Nick Werber back on the show. Yay! In this episode, we talk all about intention setting and the process that that brings in our lives, what it means and how to move through, as well as where our family system's intentions, our ancestors' intentions come in and how to respect those. Find out if Nick and I are the black sheep of our families and whether there's a black sheep in you. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature, inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candace Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. The podcast is supported by so many of you out there listening and people who either quietly donate some money or give their feedback and their encouragement. Thank you all so much. And if you'd like to support the podcast in a more specific way, there are two options right now that are very interesting. You can sign up for a periodic personal meditation that I record personally for you based on your intentions and based on my intuition of what you're sharing and what might be needed. And that can be a one-time experience an mp3 that I send to you or a gift to somebody or by subscription where you get that periodically or if you're interested in something that has more connection and contact with me you can join my embodied group healing call these very small groups offer a compassionate and um, embodied soul support space for anything you're going through in life. So if you'd like to learn more about that, feel free to go to my website at candicewoo.com slash support. Following this episode will be a special recording by Michael Pacucci of an adaptation of Bert Hollinger's writing. So Michael Pacucci is Nick Werber's mentor and friend and fellow healer. And He speaks about him in the first episode that we have together, uh, that we recorded together last year and in this episode. So you can hear a little bit more about Michael Picucci. And Bert Hellinger is the founder of Family Constellations. Both of these beautiful people and healers passed away last year. And so what a lovely experience to have this on the podcast for all of you to experience. And um, Nick was such a close person to Michael that uh, he's offered to share this on the podcast and knows that Michael would really love for others to experience it. The offering in this meditation is called consenting and it's lovely to inspire bringing consent to people around you, situations, agreeing to what's happening and what your human experience is such that it brings new possibilities or allows ease and brings the next unfolding. So be sure to tune into that later this week or following this episode, depending on when you tune in. And without further ado, here is Nick. 
I'm not really sure how to jump in, Nick. This is your second time on the podcast. It's so cool to have you here. Yeah, I'm really excited to be back again. I, I know, you know, since last we did that first podcast, I've gotten, it's surprising. It's people, you know, every so often, it's like, oh, I found you through, you know, Candace Wu, and I love Candace. And um, so I'm really excited to be back because, Aww. yeah, a lot of people love that first one. At least they tell me so. Yeah, I get a lot of great feedback from it too. And it's, um, people really have enjoyed what you have to say and our conversation. And um, some people could just feel like that we were friends. And that's so true. I just so appreciate you, Nick. And the first podcast we did was maybe about a year and a half ago. And for those of you who haven't listened to it or maybe want to review, it's at CandiceWu.com slash Nick, N-I-C-K. And it's also it's also on your website, right, Nick? That's no? true. I yeah? think it okay. is. Yeah. At nwerber.com. And um, Nick, can you just tell the listeners out there a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do, just as a refresher? Sure. So I call myself you know, the label that I use is an integrative coach and a healer. And really what that means to me is that I just, I pull in many, many different modalities into my work. And some of the big ones are family constellations work, which is all about, you know, this, this work of how so much of what we're facing and experiencing didn't start with us. You know, that the context that we live in, has a huge effect on who we are. So that can apply to family. It can also apply to our nation and our culture, um, as well as our actually our ancestral history, that these things, that that long tail of history actually has a real effect on who we are. And then for me, it, it all, all my work is really on this, founded on this bedrock of somatic trauma work, specifically a modality called focalizing which is you know really just the best practices i think of any time you're working with trauma that overwhelm is the enemy and you might hear this just in the way that i speak and the way i approach things is that just i think the best healing is done in this very stable gentle space where people can feel safe and you know in, a, in addition to that i also have a bunch of training in hypnosis Sometimes the way I say it is that, you know, the work is, all of it is focused on, you know, we have these very deep, unconscious parts of ourselves. As far as we know, we might only use somewhere between one to 3% of our brain and um, consciously, I'm sorry, only one to 3% of our, brain, our, our, our mind is conscious. And so all the work I, I do is really about working with the unconscious and how that affects so much of what we're experiencing. Beautiful. And Nick, uh, I think I told you this before, but someone recently told me that you and I could have been brother and sister in a past life <laughs> or siblings in a past life. And that just makes so much sense to me on many levels, which I'm not going to get into now totally, but that uh, just want to relate here that how that, that feels true in some ways where like siblings in, in this healing embodied work. And that's part of what I so value about your work 
is how much of the experience and the process that you um, that you bring forward and that I love as well and and do my own versions of. But I also deeply value the way that you use your language and, and words to key into very important and relevant topics that we're all dealing with in some fashion that get people it, it like creeps in sideways in a, in new ways fresh a very refreshing way of speaking and writing that um, leave an echo mm. in me so thank you yeah yeah it's in addition to the practice it's i'm absolutely a writer at heart and love writing about the subject and i i love i love what you said about that we were brother and sister in a past life i believe it and i'm I'm sorry i interrupted you maybe in that past life i you know as an older brother maybe i spoke over you i don't know (laughs) well well what i was told specifically was that in the past life i always lived in your shadow (laughs) <laughs> and I could, I felt like I could never like come out of the shadow next to you. And so I, I was struggling with the feelings of like not being good enough in relation to you and always trying to win at that game, but never winning, <laughs> never winning. Oh God, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> it is sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, yeah, you better be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just for for all of you listening out there, there the reason this came up was that I and I think I told you Nick, I would read your posts and then I would just get I would feel so um like jealous to the point of feeling bad about myself. Mm-hmm. Not the kind of jealousy that says, "Ooh, this is exciting. This challenges me to grow," which is probably more where I am at this point. Uh, but when I was getting triggered by your wonderful posts, I was like, (laughs) I'm not enough. And like, now I need to be doing what Nick's doing and I need to write like that. And, and I could hear myself and I was like, why, why am I, why? Mm. So it really helped to bring that into the light and for the emotions to move around it. But yeah, stop speaking over me, Nick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you hardly do that. <laughs> no. You were just saying before we started recording that uh, this is a totally different experience already. And uh, <laughs> I'd love for you to share why with everyone. <laughs> um, well, last time, basically, I think we spent the first half an hour after we connected just working on... <laughs> why the microphone was so loud and i you know i live in new york city and so there's always some kind of construction or weirdness like even this call i you know this podcast i purposely asked you to do earlier in the afternoon because when it gets close to two or three there's going to be school buses outside my window you know backing up and beeping and all that oh the beeping yep (laughs) yep and you've got your mic from back in the day when you used to record music that's true. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I have the microphone that, you know, it's kind of NPR uses and it's really beautiful. And I pulled it out of a closet and it was dusty and um, 
there was something sitting on it. So the foam is all <laughs> deformed, but it sounds good. It's revived. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made a big mistake, Nick. When you emailed me last night about some of the topics you wanted to talk about today on the show, I read it at 10 p.m. <laughs> your email and I and then I couldn't sleep for like four hours so oh, it's no. it's really all your fault I mean that <laughs> I read the email <laughs> but um yeah it was like 10 p.m and I'm reading your email and and you're bringing up the topics that you're interested in so I'll just say some of them because I, I think they're fabulous and um that is what kept me up until like two in the morning because I was just like <laughs> thinking about these topics and your thoughts about them and so excited to hear from you about intention mm -hmm. and the intersection of family and family history in regards to our intentions or how they weave in what we reject and what we resist and how that impacts us and stays with us you wanted to talk about the beauty mystery and meaning behind who we're born to in this life and what that more alive perspective can look like versus a dead perspective. And, and then a little bit about narcissist versus empath relationships and black sheep, and also this misnomer of letting go, letting go of something or letting, letting things go. Mm -hmm. So, yes, obviously. <laughs> When you put it like that, now it's like, whoa, that's a lot. Right? I was like, boom, my head was like, okay, yeah. get. And it also was like getting back in the game of life after, after the holidays. And mm -hmm. I kind of just went into a cave. Um, so before we jump in, you know, I was wondering uh, some of the words I wrote down for myself yesterday when I was just gathering myself, trying to come back into... Uh, my regular sort of schedule, as regular as that can be. But some of the words I wrote down were cave, because I was emerging, cave and emerging mm -hmm. out of a cave, surrender, um, the need for trust, clarity, but also not knowing at the same time, and then beauty and quiet. And I wondered, Nick, what, what words are popping up for you in your experience of life at the moment? Um, I think flow is one. Shame is another. Mm -hmm. Connection. And I think the word, it's almost like expanse comes up because I, I feel, you know, I, as you know, Candace, I got married in September this past year and there's, yeah. you know, so much an event like that kind of focuses you in such a, powerful way and you know right afterwards it's kind of holiday season comes through and now i feel like there's this sort of expanse of you know now what do i do with the rest of my life um, <laughs> with the so rest options. of your life yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's like that's a huge expanse <laughs> yeah i i can imagine right it like having a wedding you said focuses you so much. It's like all your energies seem to culminate to that moment and all the people in your life, at least from what I, you know, what I saw of your wedding and, um, and then coming into this, I don't know, sort of quiet space or open. 
open space? It's open and it's playful. It's like, I choose my adventure now. And I mean, I chose my adventure before too, but you choose it and then everything becomes very singularly focused. I feel now there's a little bit more of a playfulness with each day. I can choose my adventure Mm. and it doesn't always have to relate to a particular goal either. Mm -hmm. Sounds really nice. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. And then you said shame, connection. Mm. And there was one other word. I just forgot the first word. I think flow. Flow. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to say any more about those before we tune into the topics we have for today? You know, I feel like they're going to come through in yeah. whatever we talk about. Um, yeah. Because I, you know, I think speaking like this is a co-creative process and whatever's living within us in this moment comes through. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking, I'm borrowing a little bit from writers that I like. And I, I recently, a little bit of a tangent, but I've, I've been watching a little bit of Mad Men again and been interested in Matthew Weiner. And, you know, he basically said it's every episode is what he was experiencing, you know, when he wrote it. Mm-hmm. I think that's true for most creation. Yeah, that makes sense where the energy comes through somewhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so, speaking of, oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I I think I feel a sense that I'd like to talk about intention a little bit because it is, um, you know, New Year's time and it's just so, I think it's top of mind for so many people right now. Yeah, I was feeling that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you create an intention for the year or for this time? I period? created several intentions. Um, <clears throat> and, it, you know, I found it, it actually reminded me how much of how much I love intention that for me, when I'm just working, kind of getting through my day, doing tasks on, uh, you know, an hourly or a weekly basis, you know, whatever that kind of goal line is, um, I start to lose track of meaning. You know, I, I feel like I'm kind of floating and I'm not sure where I'm going or, you know, <laughs> maybe people relate to this where you just kind of realize like, why am I doing this actually? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and intention, I think, sitting down and actually writing down, you know, here's what I think is a life well spent, <laughs> my time well spent. And it's not that I, I didn't create a bucket list. It was, you know, my intentions are a little bit more short term than that. But um, there's just something very powerful to collecting yourself and, and writing down, you know, here's, here's what I think is a good use of my time. Here's what I want to give to other people. Here's what I want to receive. And I, I couldn't believe how much better I felt when I just did that simple process. Yeah, it's to me, that's actually such a playful process, too. It's like I get this chance to gather myself and see what what does feel meaningful and to clarify it. And I have felt that power of not just the writing down, but for me, I can I use visioning like seeing it in my Mm. mind and kind of carving out that vision in my mind that um 
it's not always so cut and dry. Like I'm going to look at a vision of what, what I desire, or what I'm looking forward into, but it's this feeling sense that comes with seeing bits and pieces of where things are going for me and, or where I'd like them to go. And it's really fun. It's like playing with, mm. playing with consciousness, playing with myself. Mm. And I, I think when I hear you say that, I, you're getting at something that I, I think is very important about intention, which is that intention is really supported when we find ways of moving beyond our just goal setting kind of thinking mind. And so visioning is one way. When I do an intention setting, I um, really tap into my body awareness quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, you know, I think we have so much intelligence that is beyond our task oriented mind. And that intelligence is so important when it comes to, I think, finding intentions that are valuable to us and valuable to the world. And, you know, knowing, like you said, seeing what's emerging ahead of you. I love that. And when you say you use your body awareness and your body intelligence, how, what exactly do you do? I actually have been playing with, and this is what I used in this most recent intention setting process, a very specific way of working with body awareness, which is that I sit and I write the intentions, one intention per a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And then I actually put them out on the floor and then stand on each one and embody the intention. And I'm sure this will sound very familiar to you, Candace, in terms of family constellation process. you just step into the intention, just close your eyes, tune in. And I do this with my clients as well. And it's amazing how quickly you just, you get that little sense of, Ooh, that's, you know, it's, it's not the next five years. It's actually in the next 10 years, I'd like to receive this or, or maybe, you know, you, you start to suddenly get really strong senses of the wording of what you wrote. Mm-hmm. And if you just connect with your body a little bit, you can feel, am I feeling contracted here? Am I feeling expanded here? Does it feel like a yes? Does it feel like a no? And so that's, I, I like things that get you up off the couch and, and connecting with things, not only, you know, in your mind's eye, but also in a physical way. Yeah, it's so, it brings all, more, more of us into the picture alive into the, the experience. I love that. And, you know, and this is, <laughs> I have to give a little bit of a nod to one of my teachers, a person named Dr. Michael Bacucci, but mm-hmm. he would say at this time in a conversation like this, that we should set an intention for this conversation. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah. And I just thought that might, mm. that, that came to me as maybe a good idea. Okay. Yeah, why don't we take a moment and feel that? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny that you said feeling, because it definitely feels like a feeling to me, actually. What are you getting? So... To me, the intention, and 
and just for kind of listeners, it's so there's the intention that we might think we want to have at the end, but there's also there's a, a level of intention that's kind of it's like what already is there asking to be connected to. And so that's what the second part is what I'm speaking to when I say this, that for me, when I just think about the intention for this conversation, there's a fullness in my body. It feels like this feeling that I get when I'm like, wow, I listened to something that I'm going to be thinking about for a couple of days and processing and referencing. And it's kind of that feeling of, I'm glad I spent time doing that. Mm. I love what you said, like what is already there and asking to be connected to. Mm-hmm. And I find that I, when I tune in that way and listen, it, it's um, a more aligned intention. Like it emerges, it reveals itself, it's already living. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I love the feeling that you're bringing up, the fullness. Mm-hmm. And the feeling of, of the listening to something here. Mm-hmm. I got the words being being extremely honest with myself mm. and um, outward outwardly and then also playing with playing with the ideas that we the concepts that we have put on the table like playing playing with you Nick mm-hmm. and I think you in in your email to me about th- these topics you said feel free to disagree or feel free to <laughs> you know argue with this or something and i was like yeah yeah i'm going to <laughs> let's see what happens <laughs> and i could you know we just just the idea of play and um curiosity and what what emerges out of that sort of uh challenge to on both sides i think but as more of a collaborative play it's so you know serendipitous almost that you um you know honest and being outward it's it's funny i my partner jen was sitting in our kitchen and i i was talking about this podcast a little bit and i said to her i said i think i'm going to i'm going to be a little more edgy this time and i'm just going to say what i feel and you know maybe it might turn some people off i don't know bring it on <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah i want to i want to play with that what yeah. you the edginess <laughs> cool so do we have our intention or was that just more <laughs> was that i didn't know if i heard a specific intention from you or just a feeling you'd like to experience was that am i getting it right it it, it was a little bit nebulous i mm-hmm. i think the intention is to share something both between you and I, that provides a sense of fullness, provides a sense of, you know, a, mm-hmm. a gift that you can sit with and play with, even, you know, for a time after this conversation. And, you know, and then I'm including the, the third player in the room, you know, the audience that maybe they can experience something that they can play with and, and sit with and digest for a few days that gives them a sense of fullness as well. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. That's great. <laughs> and just inviting people to play with play with these topics and um, 
disagree with us or find where there's a new opening. And, you know, I'm just saying that out loud because that also helps me do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Michael Picucci, as well. Yeah. (laughs) And just honoring him. Yeah. He's a a major inspiration for everything I do. Funny, um, you know, on his website, when he was alive, it would, you know, you'd see PhD psychologist, but if you met him, he was the very, just quick to laugh with a very raspy voice, flamboyant gay man who was a, a shaman and an energy worker and you know, I think of him almost as the archetype of the the joker, you know, the one that kind of laughs and tells jokes. But if you really think about what he's saying deeply, it's he's maybe the most honest, most real person in the room in a lot of ways. So there's my little nod to Michael. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Hopefully. <laughs> Wish I had the opportunity to meet him in person. <laughs> so intention what uh what comes up as you play with the concept or the idea of intention what's sitting with me about intention you know i'm i have this community of of healers and intuitive people that i i love that are around me and um both connected to them online and through some of the workshop spaces and communities here in Brooklyn that I'm in and everyone's talking about intention. And I think the thing that for me, you know, I I don't think it's touched on enough that I'd love, I, I think it's helpful to acknowledge is that, you know, intention is a process when we set intentions. It's not just that we write something down and then we, put it away in a shelf and you know we hope sometime a year from now it's going to end up on our doorstep for me and in my experience and for my clients experience it's it's an active process and one of the clearest ways that it's very really active is that i believe the moment you set an intention what you're really doing is saying i'm ready to see what's been standing in the way all along you know, when you say, I want to find a relationship or I want to be making more money, it's incredible how, you know, in the next few weeks or months, people suddenly are playing in that shadowy stuff, those barriers that have been around for a really long time um, that are directly related to these topics. And and I see that actually as a positive. It's 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 kind of you know, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, universal intelligence or just the way the universe works is that it puts, it, it brings a barrier to you and then it's like, okay, now here's your work. Now bring in your resources, you know, who's, maybe it's a therapist or a healer that you work with or just being a part of your community. You know, you have to resource yourself and actually go through it. <laughs> mm-hmm. For Christmas, I, I just got a... <laughs> My partner 
purchased me a, a sweater that says the only way the only way around is through <laughs> and <laughs> nice you reminder. Know, yes and that's what this is it's it's you set the intention to see the barrier and and i think people don't realize that happens and so when they find the barriers you know when they come up again suddenly like uh it just feels so hopeless or there's so much doubt or i feel so much fear to go go out and do that thing that i want to do you start to they might start to think oh maybe that's a sign that it's not really meant for me or i you know this isn't going to happen or it's not the right time and it's like no like that there it is like you are now being given the exact wall you have to chip away at and your intentions on the other side of it. So I, I, I think what I want to, if there's one thing people take away from this conversation, and it, it's that to see intention as a, a process and to not be discouraged by the barriers, because that's exactly what that process is, I believe, meant to do, is to bring up the barriers. Yeah, I'm ready to see what's been standing in the way all along. I love the words you you expressed about that is just such a nice statement. And we don't always think about that exact position or approach when we're creating something or like listening or creating something we want for ourselves. And um, I just think it's such a, an important thing what you're bringing up because yes, so often I've seen it in myself and clients everywhere we find the resistance, the thing that scares us the most about it. And then we turn around and think, well, maybe that's just not where we're supposed to go because it's scary or because mm -hmm. it's um, going to bring us some discomfort or let us look at something that we, um, that we have not wanted to look at perhaps. And I see exactly what you're saying too in the way that, um, that barrier comes up and says, okay, you want this, you know, you want what's behind this. You need this to come along. This barrier is the place where you've resisted or avoided. There's energy here. And when you transmute this, when you transform or look through, go, go through it, as you say, instead of around it, that energy will come with you and support you in the end. If you mm. make it through <laughs> and we need it, we need it to go forward into the next thing. We need that expansiveness because that's why we wanted what we wanted to begin with. It's going to bring us more. <laughs> so thank you for bringing that forward. It's almost like give yourself credit. You know, there's yeah. a reason you might not be making a million dollars a year. It's, it's because it, it takes hard, there's a lot, there's hard work, there's barriers there, there's a lot to bust through. You know, if you come from a poor family, you're, you're leaving behind a whole generations of certain way of life. Um, you know, it's, it's, if, if you want that, if you want that intention, if, if you want to connect to that intention, there's, there are some barriers you have to bust through and, you know, that takes work. And so you didn't, it, it makes sense that you maybe hadn't connected to it yet again you need the energy you need the resources to be able to do that mm -hmm. yeah that just made me think well maybe that's why people goal set instead of intention set 
(laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, maybe it also has a crossover. Even when we goal set, there's something that's going to come up. Um, But for for people out there that are like fooey to intentions, like I don't want to deal with intentions or I'm not doing that. Um, giving yourself credit, yeah, that it can be scary to set an intention because the wave of things that might come in succession after that on the pathway towards towards what you're looking at. Exactly. And, and that's why, you know, it's also beautiful that if you set a really big intention and you're not ready for it, you can stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can take a pause. Yeah, I just... I just love this. Um, I have this image in my mind of a child, you know, I mean, I've been there standing on the edge of like a step and, and feeling like I want to jump down three steps. You know, I've done two. I'm going to jump three steps now. <laughs> and I have this, I guess maybe this sort of archetypal image of an adult or someone older saying, just do it, go, just go. And like kind of (laughs) pushing you to go (laughs) with their energy and with their encouragement. But there's something incredibly beautiful about standing there on the edge and finding from within your own, your own sense of I'm ready or I'm ready to take the jump and I don't know what it's going to bring. It doesn't mean I'm ready and this is going to be easy, but that sort of leaning forward and being like, oh, maybe not, and kind of leaning back and um, playing at that edge instead of just bypassing that and jumping without some sort of internal choice. And uh, a friend mentioned to me this video, which I still haven't seen, but I've been meaning to, and I'll, I'll link it to our show notes of, um, I think this artist, just recorded people at a diving board, like high dive. And they were doing that. They would like come to the edge and some people would turn around and just never come back. And some people would like stand there for an hour or something or like period of time and like go forward and back and maybe make, make the dive. But it's, it wasn't really even about the dive. I think it's just the process of, of us being human and being in that experience. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that you know I actually have seen that diving you board video. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I'm I'm kind of a YouTube is sort of my little guilty pleasure when I have downtime. So I've I've found it somehow. Ah. But it, to to follow that metaphor a little bit, uh, you know, I find with intention setting, we set an intention, or I set an intention, and then it becomes, you know, okay, I start to receive it. I, I'm you know, for instance, I, I had intentions about working with more and more people in group settings. And so I'm, I'm getting these group workshops are coming forward. They're doing really well. And then it's like, I, I recently in the past year, I was off or in the past um, few months, I, I got the opportunity to work and do this retreat in Mexico, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about, but it, it, you know, you can hit that moment of suddenly, Ooh, it's like, it's a much, it's a bigger thing. It's going to be more of a commitment, more of a commitment to the people coming. And then suddenly it's like, Ooh, the diving board's too high. Like, uh-huh. I don't know about this one. Yeah. It asks way more of you. 
and and I think those are that's really common that you get on a roll and it's it's like where's your what's your tolerance and and I'm not saying you know push through everything either mm-hmm. you know that to res- I respect that tolerance level um, but there is you know you're that that's part of this work that's some one of the barriers is fear you know that you might come up against the fear the fear of success the fear of you know, maybe speaking in front of a large audience or, you know, whatever your intentions include. Yeah. And this kind of loops me back to the beginning when you said um, that we can just get on a roll or we can be in motion and wonder why we're doing it. Or is this what we even wanted? And I think that that's a really uh, challenging, can be a really challenging place when the bigger thing comes, the bigger diving board or whatever it is, and um, you're on the roll of of the intention that you once had set, and there's that place of okay, now it's I think that diving board is too high, or this is this is really scary. This is a lot, and it's asking a lot of me. And when we feel into that place, it can sometimes mean this is no longer what I wanted, or this is wait, where have I gone? Is this, is this what I wanted? And is it what I want now? And distinguishing that from the fear of the expansion and capacity, what it means to step forward and continue on, that can be a tricky place. Do you find that? Absolutely. When I hear you talk about that, I, I think we're really connecting in some way to just the human condition, which is you know, in some ways we're, we're walking down a cave and there's a light at the end of the tunnel, maybe, but we just have no idea what's there and what's ahead of us. And there, there's a lot of mystery. Um, so mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and, you know, there's, I think this is also why it's sometimes very attractive to, to listen to someone that says they know that they, you know, they know the answers. Um, because we're, you know, in a sea of mystery all the time being alive in this world. You know, I, I, this doesn't get you out of that process, but for me, I, I do think, you know, there's, there's kind of three ways that I think about working with intention. One is the setting it process, Mm -hmm. like the planting the seed, writing it down, which can be a really exciting and kind of expansive piece. Um, then there's what we've talked about, which is meeting the barriers, which is, can be so shocking how different it feels. It's like, oh, it was so expansive in the beginning. Now it's so friction filled and that can kind of discourage people. But there's a piece in between and maybe all around all of it where I, I do think it's nice to have some sort of practice where you're connecting to your tensions on a regular basis. and you don't even have to do it every day. But for me, that writing it down and stepping on the sheets of paper, I do that once every other week with my intentions to just see, you know, how am I feeling now? Is there still kind of a change or anything that needs to be shifted here? Or how am I sitting with it? Just to kind of keep allowing my own intuition, my own body awareness to keep teaching me and showing me new things. But if, you know, even the most trained somatic 
healers that spend all their time with body awareness, which I, I really spend a lot of my time leaning on my body awareness, even with my, my clients. It's how a lot of my intuition comes through. You know, the body, it speaks in feeling. It's not in words. And, you know, even that, I think, is a metaphor. It's like so much of the way life speaks to us is it, it's the exception is when it's extremely direct and says, go do this. <laughs> but a lot of it is, you know, there's messages that are kind of in, in a gray area and it's up to us to feel what feels right for us. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't really set intentions this year. Um, <laughs> uh, <Uh-oh. laughs> yeah. Gasp. you're screwed it's over <laughs> but the process I feel like you dro- the way you said it was like you dropped a bombshell confession <laughs> it's like all this talk about intentions and uh well i i think that um as I'm reflecting on myself, that there have just been different ways that I've worked with the process of intention and setting it. And um, some processes feel more epic than others. And there are times in my life where it feels uh, that it, it needs a very, very, almost like a ceremony to set intention and to create the space for it. And other times of my life, it feels like a quieter process that's, and maybe this is also more along the evolution of my own capacity and healing, that it's, it feels almost like a part of me, um, a part Mm -hmm. of each moment, in fact, that if I had to put words, as you, you eloquently said, you know, this is a feeling, this is an experience. But if I had to put words into the process, it might be something like, um, where am I right now? And what am I feeling? And what, what do I want to lean into right now in the capacity of who I am, like the state of being that I'm in? And um, so the words I'd give it right now as far as intention, maybe it's just going back to what I said in the beginning, surrender and trust. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's the intention or if that's just how I want to be right now, surrendering. And it's it's very moment to moment. And I found that um, in the last couple of months, my astrologer said to me that it was Uranus and the chaos of Uranus, that this it brings this unpredictability and changing your mind moment to moment even what was in this moment can be totally the opposite the next or the next day or the next week and I have felt that very much in the last couple of months and so when I have planned too far ahead for me it 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 will derail itself so I I just felt like oh I'm just not going to waste my time doing that Um, and that's very particular to me in my process. I don't know if other people are relating to that. Maybe if you have the same birth chart as I do, (laughs) but, um, surrendering to the moment and going, going deep though, not just like to the topical satisfaction of the moment, but something deeper of 
a deeper movement towards towards the next movement. So it, in a way, it's very unknown. It's just this movement to the next. Um, so yeah, there's my confession about intention. <laughs> <laughs> well, Candace, I, I feel what you're sharing about the way you're working with intention just makes me think, you know, that is so you. Um, and I, I think that's one of the things I really admire about you is the way that you just free fall with spontaneity in so many areas of your life. And that's brave. That's awesome. And it, so it, it makes sense to me that you'd be saying that. And, and I think in some ways, <laughs> maybe we represent two different poles around a, on, on the subject and people can take kind of little bits from either of us. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's the, the spontaneity and the free fall. I get kind of lost and the planning really focuses me in this way that increases my effectiveness. And, but of course there are things that are lost. It's beautiful. And, and it, you know, and, and spontaneity is so who wouldn't benefit from embracing a little bit more spontaneity. And I think you really are like a, a role model for that in a beautiful way. Thank you, Nick. I, <laughs> I, I, it's not that I don't get lost sometimes too, though. <laughs> but I also, um, I guess I'm okay with getting a little lost. Maybe that's the thing. You have a high tolerance for it. it maybe is a way of saying it. <laughs> maybe. But yes, I think you're right. You know, there's, there's just a time for all different kinds of tools. And I think the processes you're bringing up, they're incredibly powerful. And they... They do work at times. Work. I mean, they they will open things up, and they will. If you follow through, if or well, I guess I should only speak for myself. You know, when I follow through, through the resistance, I have found, I've landed in exactly where I've wanted to be, in a way, but in a place I couldn't even fathom. And on the other hand, but I knew I know it somewhere in my body. That's what I wanted. Um, so yeah, I think just putting out a menu of how, how we can all approach, approach this thing called human experience. is really great. (laughs) But let's talk about, um, let's talk about family and lineage and what you're thinking about in terms of how that intersects with intention. Sure. So, you know, for people that might not know, it's really the the focus of my practice is around how family and family history are at the root of so much of the barriers that we experience. And, you know, the way when I speak to this, I'm not really speaking to it from this kind of maybe like a a clinical perspective. For me, it's, it's really at a on this kind of soul level that we're born to these, this mother and father, you know, we, we were, we might've had older siblings or younger siblings or no siblings at all. And that becomes this very powerful template that follows us around, you know, the roles that we played with our family, the types of people we were surrounded by, you know, I think I had, as an example, it's like if you had a parent that was a narcissist and one of them was distant and then 
Did you try to befriend the narcissist or did you reject them and try to ally with the distant parent or, you know, the permutations are infinite, Mm -hmm. but it becomes this, this bedrock by which so much of what we become or how we emerge out of our family is so much a, a reflection, either an acceptance or a rejection of where we come from. And why this I think is relevant into intentions is I think so many of us are probably aware on some level that our family has intentions too and that those intentions were pushed on us and you know and so the maybe the simplest one would be go be a doctor mm-hmm. or be a lawyer but there's it goes deeper than that and and I'm actually very fortunate you know, and and it's actually complicated. You know, you, when you don't get this, it's also confusing too. But I would lean towards saying I'm fortunate that I came from a family that l- the main message I got was just all we want for you is to be happy. I mean, that's like, I, I'm very, very thankful that I got that message. And there was not a, a, a push to be a certain thing. I didn't have to be something. Um, wow however yeah 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 not to be not to be glossed over (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean it's a huge 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 deal yeah it's a big deal but yes what's the shadow side of it what completely yeah completely shaped my life that i I received that message yeah um well well one of the shadow sides is if if you're just supposed to be happy all the time, if that's the goal, then you're going to be falling short all the time. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> you know, wonder. It's impossible to hold happiness <laughs> at all times. All we want for you to, is to be happy. Yeah, I didn't know if it was literally happy, you know, and the pressure to be happy could come with that, or if that just meant it was open. But it's, yeah, it's sounding like that would create a lot of, um, we're mo- much more than just happy in our experience of life. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's depression in my family, which is so obviously what that is a reaction uh-huh. to. <laughs> now when you say that, <laughs> just want yes. you to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, so then it becomes, well, what if I don't, you know, it's, it's a very, right. it can be a little bit confusing. So it's, it's, it, you know, it's funny how th- these messages, no matter what they are, even if it's so simple and sounding so innocent, like we just want you to be happy, it still gets confusing. Um, and in a way we could just turn it around and say, and maybe, maybe this is where you're going, but seeing that maybe the words were, are more, um, Maybe the words are, all I want is to be happy, coming from wherever that came from. (laughs) But (laughs) impressed upon you, it's a totally different experience. Well, Candace, I think you're nailing it right now. And we're about to go very deep into my own, (laughs) you know, constellation. But it's, yes, absolutely. It's, uh, there's a funny way, and I think this can be extrapolated, that the desires that our family have for us are so much obviously a desire to have it reflect on them in a certain way. And, you know, absolutely the message of, I just want you to be happy was if you're happy, then I can be happy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, maybe that will fix things for me. And, 
um, you know, funny enough, um, me and my sibling were not very happy as children. <laughs> so, it's funny Isn't how that it is. Funny? <laughs> That's just so um, strange that everyone wanted you to be happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that, that has to be earned, and it, it's a process. Yes. But but I want to I want to kind of bring it back slightly. Of of our family has intentions for us. Sometimes they're very concrete. We'd like you to do a certain job. We'd like you to be a certain type of person. And so when we're setting our own intentions, that has to be included in our awareness mm -hmm. about you know what is our intentions and what is are the intentions that we're we're carrying actually for someone else in a way, you know, if I'm happy, then if I can do that, then finally, maybe my mom can be happy. Um, and, and so there's, there's a piece of that that needs to be respected. And there's, there's also a, there's another part of intentions that I think is really important, which is that anytime we change in a way that we are, leaving the sphere of where we come from. You know, you want to make a million dollars and no one in your family ever did that. Mm -hmm. You are breaking through a barrier there that, you know, you are, you're part of this family consciousness and you're leaving it. And so there is an element of uh, guilt that comes with that, whether you're aware of it or not, that, Sometimes when we connect to our intentions and we're creating change in our life, there's a part of it where we are leaving something behind. You know, that, that's change in, in, in any form, you know, to, to connect to something new, you're always in a way leaving something behind. And so that factors into our intention setting too. Absolutely. Where we come from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What we emerged in within our family. No, and I, I feel like this conversation is flowing two ways in my mind at the moment. Um, looking at our own intentions, and I love what you said about respecting the pieces that may connect with an inheritance or with, with other people in our lives or maybe given to us, just respecting that. Um, versus you saying, no, that's a bad intention then right? You need to give that up or mm. change that. But just respecting mm -hmm. it, just honoring it mm -hmm. is, is just such a lovely approach you're bringing. Well, and maybe the way of adding to that would be to say, you know, just because our parents wanted something for us doesn't mean it's bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, and this starts to get into, you know, I've, after working with many different um, people of different family backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, you know, I, I feel very strongly that our, the family we we're born into is this incredible, it, it's a wealth of information. It's, it's a huge teacher for all of us. And it, even if you disagree with pieces of what they shared with you, there's, you know, they still taught you how to tie your shoes and <laughs> eat mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe cook. You know, there's a million basic things that come across from family um, that, you know, 
doesn't matter how much you reject or how much you disagree with you you took from them yeah absolutely and there's so much uh conversation in the world of intention setting about getting to the why or understanding why you're choosing that and i think that's very important Mm -hmm. and it's it's part of what you're bringing forward in this conversation is what are what are the pieces that influence the reason that you want this or mm-hmm. you know whether that's personal family or or other any other systems you're part of or if you believe in past mm-hmm. life but here we're speaking mm-hmm. about family and um when you said just because parents wanted something for us doesn't mean it's bad. I I feel if we also get to the the why of like they wanted you to be a doctor, say, or they wanted you to just stay in the lines and not make make a mess and not stick out. That there's a why underneath that and we can really get to the essential love that they wanted for us and i can't assume that that's for many people or all people but it's it's in my experience that 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 lives underneath it that there's something underneath in the undercurrent of that that more topical um message that people have gotten that says well we really just wanted you to be safe or we really just wanted you to be yourself or be happy or which as we're talking about comes with all sorts of Mm -hmm. stuff (laughs) but there's something else (laughs) underneath it that we can look at as well you're totally right and i think safety is especially the big word in that and it brings up for me you know something that Susie said Susie tucker our shared teacher about this subject um you know Susie had been talking about the just ancestral component of uh, Jewish culture across the world and and where, you know, how the history of persecution has affected people today. And, you know, one of her, she always says these things, they're always like an aside, (laughs) all the best. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, whoa, I need to write that down. And um, what she would say is that, in the shadow of the Holocaust and how many people were lost, it's there's many, obviously, uh, Jewish families that push their children to become um, doctors, lawyers, bankers. And as she put it, she said, you know, what's the common thread line between so many of these career paths? It's that they're essential. They are needed. Mm-hmm. Your society can't work without them and you know and when you think about the genocide it's like how do you become necessary in the world mm-hmm. and i think that's it's that's a really clear example of how ancestral history affects family on a really you know the macro affects the micro but this is happening across all cultures and with all different kinds of histories that the past influences exactly what our mothers are telling us today. Absolutely. How do you become necessary in the world? That like hits somewhere (laughs) deep. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so the the thought I was going to say about looking in two directions, it's like looking at the family in the past and looking at what's been carried through the generations and how that comes into our intentions and looking forward also in the other direction. I mean, maybe it's the same, but uh, I had an experience where someone told me, if you do want to have children, make sure you don't do it because of wanting to give your children a different experience than you got. And (laughs) I was like, yeah, of course. And then I was like, oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Because because actually the thought that came next was, well, then, then what would the reason be? And there was this part of me that couldn't think of what would be a good reason. (laughs) Like, how do I verbalize what would be a good reason? How is it clear enough from the reactions of myself or from the reactions of my ancestry? And um, that was a little tricky. And what I got to was just for like love and experiencing, allowing someone to come into life um, through me, but that they're completely free to be however they want to be. And um, that was really hard to, in some ways, articulate it clear enough, you know, because wanting to, your child to be happy, there just can be so many shadow sides to that and unknowns, unconscious parts. But even what I'm saying, I don't know if there are some dark like unconscious parts. But um, I guess I'm tangenting a little bit because I also, as you know, Nick, I I work with horses and I enjoy time with horses. Mm. And yet I struggle all the time with the fact that we keep them behind fences and we keep them accessible Mm. to humans the way we want. But do they want that? And Mm -hmm. it, it would be some time as a whole for that to shift. But um, if we really believed in the freedom of another being, then, you know, how do we see and treat them and and think about that? And so I guess looping back to intention, um, when it comes to bringing life in, maybe that does apply too to the things that we create that are not just human life or animal life or caretaking for others but what we're creating as far as what we're birthing Hmm. well i think there's so much metaphor in in birth and creation and i think in many ways you know the the creative pursuits are kind of a, a process a feminine process in a lot of ways that that birthing that creation I really I do appreciate what you shared, and I I just I just wanted to acknowledge that I think you are not alone, and I can imagine there's many people listening right now that would resonate with that about having children in order to change mm-hmm. somehow change the pet the way you know give them an experience you didn't have, and there's a piece of me that just wants to say I I, I don't want to. I don't think it's totally wrong to come into that, to come into it that Mm -hmm. way. But I think it's so important to have the awareness that, you know, there's a, 
there's a cartoon about this that I love. That's they're kind of these candy hearts, like the ones people oh, yeah. give out on Valentine's Day, but they're they're characters, and one of them just has on the candy heart section. It said, "We will not fuck <laughs> you up," and then the mother side <laughs> says, "Like our parents fucked you up," and then the little baby heart just says. A new kind of. Oh, I love that! Please send me that. We're going to link that here too. It's the it's the most clear. Like you get it immediately. Um, Yeah. And and this is a this is a huge thing I'm sitting with right now, where I am talking about with my partner about you know when we might have children and what I'm bringing them into the world, why I'm doing that, what, what. what is the intention behind that is a big thing. And and I do get wrapped up sometimes in all the things I would do differently. And then I catch myself saying, you know, I actually was raised in a way that I think my parents were very focused on doing it differently. And that is, it has its own mm-hmm. shortcomings in a funny way. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate you bringing that up and, holding space for that not being wrong and I, I i do feel that too and um when we i think when we think that things like that are wrong or like that we shouldn't do that uh, it can compel us yes to find something different but it can also be a, a way that we we don't acknowledge that we actually have those true desires inside of us. And the more we put a blanket over that, by saying, okay, let, like, let's, not, let's resist that and let's not use that intention, <laughs> sometimes that really backfires. And it, it, it just lives anyway, um, circling back to the beginning of our conversation, you know, where you said, I think these feelings I'm having are going to emerge no matter what. Um, and there's such a power to just acknowledging it and respecting that and seeing where, where it has an effect if you can and claiming it so it has a place instead of just this like lingering thing somewhere in the unconscious that does pass forward and lives itself out as the <laughs> The little baby heart. <laughs> so do you want to talk about one more topic, Nick? I know we just like laid out so many sure. and they're all so good. Um, but we kind of are leaning into resistance. What we resist persists. But um, what yeah. what are you wanting to talk about now? You know, I, I think, again, it, it just all feels like the time of year to touch on these yeah. subjects, but I would love to talk about the phenomenon of black sheep and families, because I think this is the time of year where all that stuff comes right back up. And there are so many people that were the black sheep that are, you know, still in recovery from their family gathering or have, you know, stayed home and, and held certain boundaries and, you know, had to, suffer watching all the family photos go by on their Facebook feed or whatever. And I just, I think something that is just so important to me is, is a real respect for the phenomenon and of, 
of black sheep, how they emerge and, and, and that they are such an important part of the evolution of our society and our culture. And so that, that's what comes up for me. And so then I, and then now I feel like I just want to put you on the spot. Are you the black sheep, Candace, of your family? <laughs> I saw your post that you were not the black sheep. <laughs> and I was like, I know, Am that's I? true. My- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was great, by the way. I really appreciated that. So, am I the black sheep? Yeah, I, re- I can, and I can speak more yeah. to that too. But yes, I was not the black sheep in my family, which a lot of people are surprised to hear that. But um, the spotlight was taken by another, yeah. my brother. <laughs> but yeah, so well, yeah, you said, did you say yes? You are. The I black was sheep thinking about it. Um, it depends how you define black sheep. So would you define it Mm -hmm. for the people listening and for me? Hmm. That's a, it's a great, yeah. You know, I think of the black sheep is characterized by someone that feels very strongly out of place. Sometimes people that feel they're the black sheep in their family feel like, their parents aren't their parents <laughs> in some way. Yeah. You know, how how could I possibly be their child? And they are often the carrier and the target of all the shame of the family. It's like there's this sense of, you know, it's 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 parents might have a tendency to almost project all their shortcomings onto the child that didn't do what they told them or wasn't enough or should have been smarter or different in some way, which by the way, children are always a reflection of their parents. And so for a parent to somehow point it to a child and say, Mm -hmm. you're the problem is just very short-sighted. But so it's, it's, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's often, they feel a certain level of shame. Black sheep, as they get older, might spend very little time with their family because they might become kind of tired of it all. And I, you know, I think of the kind of classic, almost like TV, television show thing of, you know, family dinner and the black sheep is, eats the fastest, tries to get out of the, gets away from the table as quickly as possible, barely talks. If they do, it's very brief, um, you know, kind of a, it's almost like black sheep, I think have to be very protective of themselves um, because they, they can be such, such target mm-hmm. within families. Yes, that was me. That That's like almost mm-hmm. everything you named. I was like, oh yeah, check, check, check. <laughs> that's, that's been my experience. That's, um, certain points in my life good chunks of my life um definitely felt out of place like how could these be my parents uh but then i also saw ways in which i was just like them a lot of shame a lot of shame and very much directed towards me even even it trickled into my siblings how could it not you know the shame directed to me i was known for like stirring the pot and um, making things worse and 
that's by virtue of me expressing my feelings, you know, saying what's going on and what I feel. And it was a lot of things my family wasn't ready to look at. And I so desperately Mm -hmm. needed them to and needed them to acknowledge Mm -hmm. because for me, it felt like survival. Um, Not having enough resource for myself to survive the emotions that were going on and and the trauma that was passed down many, many years that hadn't been dealt with, um, that hadn't been integrated. Yeah, many moments of like running away from the dinner table, having stuffed my food in my mouth and crying. Um, <laughs> those are really rough memories, you know, and I've worked on them so many times and there's, there's still a little tender place. But... Um, mm-hmm. I can say now that I'm in the best time of connection with my family after doing so much work, inner work and embodied work, constellations work. There's still more, of course, but um, I actually enjoy my family and they enjoy me now. Um, And they've also looked at a lot. and so the shame isn't really as as strong, it, like as strong of a, a tidal wave and just maybe exists in little pockets mm-hmm. now, but as far as like the family system, it seems you know, from where I'm standing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't feel like I'm the black sheep anymore, but I once was. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that you had shared Bert Hellinger's idea of black sheep, I think on your Instagram and your social media. And um, many people have shared that. It's really beautiful because speaking to the black sheep as the change, the healing, bringing the evolution of the family system forward is so real to me too. And uh, at times that's felt like too Mm -hmm. much of a responsibility because it was. And other times it's felt like an honor and of course my place like it, it makes sense like i wanted to do that um but so you're not the black sheep you know it's so funny it's this always happens is that as i connect to something over and over again it deepens and i just as i'm hearing you i i feel like i have <laughs> i actually felt i really connected to something about me that's a little bit hmm more than maybe what I had shared, which is, yes, traditionally in my family, the there's the obvious black sheep is my younger brother. And um, he just was a, a huge handful in a lot of ways and really upended so much of the family in so many ways. But what I would say is, you know, I said this all when we started that he kind of took the role from me because I feel if he wasn't there, then it would have been Mm -hmm. me. And I always kind of wished I could have been as disruptive as him. But then I, I think I had this awareness of how it would just kind of destroy the family to have (laughs) another kid that is (laughs) rebelling like that. (laughs) And so I felt conscious of that, of like, ugh. I, I don't have a place to be the rebel anymore. But I will say this is that this is what I connected to as I was talking is that I'm actually truly from a family of black sheep. 
my father was the black sheep of his family and my mother was the black sheep of her family. And, and maybe that's not absolutely 100% clear for my mother. Um, there's like a little bit of a gray area there, but for my father, it absolutely was. And um, it's so it's funny. It's like I'm the child of I'm like hmm. second generation black sheep yeah. in some way, um, which which has a huge role in so much of who I am because I wasn't raised with religion. I'm the first person in both sides of my family to not be raised with religion at all. And um, and there's a million other traditions that I was maybe not part of or uh, partly just because of that, because there's so many traditions connected to a religion. So there's a, there's a funny, I, I think I realized I'm broadening the perspective a little bit. I'm kind of in the sphere of the black sheep, mm. but maybe on the micro level, it was more clear that my brother was the the big one. Mm. But can, can I actually, I, that, that yeah. Bert Hellinger quote, may I just read it Please so that do. people can hear it? Cause I think it's really captures what I feel about the black sheep. And I think so many people, when they hear it, they, it, it just yeah. has a feeling to yeah, it. Yeah, I'd love that. So I'll just read it. I, I brought it up because I think I had a feeling right. we'd be talking about it. So the so-called black sheep of the family are, in fact, seekers of liberation roads for the family tree. Those members of the tree who do not adapt to the rules or traditions of the family system. Those who are constantly seeking to revolutionize beliefs, going in contrast to roads marked by family traditions. Those criticized, tried, and even rejected. Those by general. They are called to release the tree of repetitive stories that frustrate entire generations. The black sheep, those who do not adapt, those who scream rebel, repair, detoxify, and create a new blooming branch. Countless unfulfilled desires, unfulfilled dreams, frustrated talents of our ancestors manifest themselves in the black sheep's rebellion looking to take place. The family tree, by inertia, will want to continue to maintain the castrating and toxic course of its trunk, which makes its task, the black sheep's task, difficult and conflicting. That no one makes you doubt, take care of your rarity as the most precious flower of your tree. You are the dream of all your ancestors. And, mm. yeah, and that's by Bert Hellinger. It's so lovely. Yeah. You know, it, it just, for me, it, it captures so many things, but it, I just, I do feel that black sheep carve new roads for families. You know, with, without black sheep, families can just keep repeating over and over again. And it's, it's the black sheep that kind of force them to face things. And even if the family that sits around the quote unquote black sheep doesn't receive anything, doesn't take anything in, you know that the children of the black sheep are never going to be the same. They're, they're always going to experience traditions and family in a different way. So it, it, it's, I think black sheep are just so intertwined with evolution. And as he says, you are, you're the dream of your ancestors. And, and I, I really believe that, that our ancestors 
it is their dream that we evolve and become more of who we are and more in tune with um, what fulfills us and what what serves others in the world and so that's I, I really I can't say enough of how um, I, I put black sheep on a pedestal I, I really have a lot of respect for mm-hmm. that role in families <laughs> so thank you Candace for playing that role <laughs> and coming through it oh coming through the gosh. eye of that needle <laughs> You know, I, I'm starting to think about black sheep in a broader context too. Because originally, when you said, "Are you the black sheep?" and I had read your um, your post referring to your brother, I started to think about black sheep in this sort of um, identified patient kind of way. You know, and that language comes from um, the world of psychology and counseling. Like when a family says, "We need help because so and so." has a problem in our family. You know, they, they co- name one person as the mm-hmm. one with the problem. And um, right. yeah, I often think of that person as may- maybe the black sheep and that they have a lot of, they, they can typically have a lot of symptoms or maybe there's alcoholism or there's something that becomes very severe mm-hmm. that the family cannot continue to look away. And um, I wouldn't say that that was was me. I mean, the worst thing I ever did was, and it's kind of bad, when I was 16, I I got a speeding ticket for 51 over the speed limit. Yeah, it's a lot. I don't... Whoa. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I never drove that way again, but I... So that that's probably the worst that I've ever done. And so it, I couldn't relate to it in terms of being a certain kind of like severe set of symptoms or experience experiencing rebellion in a, in a way that is very like oppositional or something like that. But I think that that's the way I'm seeing it now can be helpful for, for anyone that doesn't perhaps relate to that kind of experience too, you know, and as you're talking, Nick, that there are parts of us that feel like black sheep, you know, there might be, a part of of us that we can connect with that feel has felt like it's been black sheeped, so to say. Maybe that's just shame. You know, where we feel shame or yeah. Well I, I love that. It, it the way I was hearing it was that it's that perhaps the part of us that doesn't feel like it belongs is actually the part that is bringing something yeah. new to the world. You know, we don't belong because something that we are, it's not here yet. It's not accepted yet. But actually, if we can find acceptance with it in ourselves and, and just and share it and be it, then we actually are giving something to the world. We're, we're helping yes. it, you know, by including more. Yeah, so yeah. if we can find our inner black shape... The parts of us that don't feel like they belong, those are the most essential to the entire you know, wave of evolution and the, the dreams of the ancestors of all kinds. Mm-hmm. I love that. Wow. It's, it's like where, where newness yeah. emerges from. Wow. 
That's nice, Nick. Nice. It's a nice place to close <laughs> too. Feel complete. I I think there's no way that we could. No, switch we're done here. Go on to something else. After that. We are done. <laughs> Except, I would love for you to just briefly talk about your retreat. Yeah, because it's coming that up February. Okay. What, is it the fourteenth through the eighteenth? The fourteenth. Nineteenth. Through the nineteenth, mm-hmm. actually. Twenty twenty. Little half day. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. You know, I know you've done many retreats, Candace, and I, I feel very strongly that, you know, family constellations are beautiful one-on-one. They're beautiful in a group workshop setting, but I, I believe that they take on their most powerful, um, most resourceful state when they're in a retreat setting. There is something about gathering with the group and being in that container for multiple days that just the energy just builds and builds and builds. And I see it in my own facilitation. Mm. I mean, these, the retreat work I think is beautiful. And so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and you and I know this cause we met at yeah. you know, obviously a, the intensive, which is a form of a retreat, which was super powerful and i think meeting you is a, a part of what made that so powerful for me same here huge part of it <laughs> yeah it was huge um so yeah so this retreat it's it starts it we're going to be in mazente mexico which is southern mexico and it's overlooking the pacific ocean and it's just a really beautiful place again you it's like you can walk five minutes to the water and we'll be doing family constellations work and various forms of shadow work. The stuff that, you know, it's, it really goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this call of, you know, when you set these intentions, you will meet certain barriers. And at that point, you know, it's, it's important to call in your resources. So all of the work we're doing is literally to meet you at that point is you know resources that help people actually do the work of chipping away and and doing the integration and processing with these barriers so we will get there on friday and um be doing that work on this beautiful terrace that is kind of open air and i'm just i'm super excited about it because these groups come together and it's just people leave as incredible friends and I still see from my past retreats, you know, people basically communicating with each other that I know had met at, at some of the work that we had been doing. That's awesome. And, yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it sounds it's, yeah. beautiful and what a great time to, you know, if you live in the Midwest or somewhere cold to get out into a little bit of warmth and, um, get the fire on and inside it's it's a big part of it yeah yeah that was a big part of why we we scheduled it scheduled it at this time was you know there there's going to be really beautiful deep work going on but there is a lot of space built in to just go chill on the beach um, which is great you know can be just as important and the weather i think is like you know mid 80s basically when you're down that there. sounds so, so good. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> awesome. Where can people find that that retreat, Nick? 
So if you go to my website, which is just Nick, the letter N, and then Werber.com, um, you can go there. Or my Instagram is nwerber. Um, and then all of it's actually being hosted through Maha Rose, which is this incredible organization that's based in Brooklyn. And that's a Maha Rose's website, M-A-H-A-R-O-S-E.com is another place where you can read up about it. Thank you so much, Nick. This was this was fun. And do you feel like we you Yeah, how'd we do on our intentions? <laughs> <laughs> I think we did great. And I really I don't <laughs> I think we did well because I really that it was funny that moment where you said I think we have to close there was actually the moment where I had felt a sense of, oh wow, I actually this is, it's the exact kind of subject that I will spend the next yeah. two weeks thinking about <laughs> <laughs> of, you know, all those places where yes. I don't feel I belong, of which there are many, you know, is it possible that that's just something that's emerging that the world mm. needs and can I respect it in that way? So I, I think there is a fullness that I feel when I just connect to that right now. So I, I think we did well and, you know. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> to to each their own of their experience. And yeah, I I'll be thinking about that too. And and it's it's kind of like a twist on on something I've been doing for some time, but the words are so poignant now, like all the ways I feel I ha- I don't belong now. Or maybe in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's so, you know, obviously the reflexive way to experience that is it's just the opposite. It's I don't belong and there must be something wrong with me and all the shame yeah. stuff that we talked about. So it, it definitely is turning an idea on its head in a way that, you know, I don't know about you, but the moment I connect with it, I just, I feel that sense that my body relaxes and I feel clearer. And, you know, for me, it's all the signals of there's something yeah. Same here. I feel that playfulness that I was wanting about it, to approach it with a playfulness. It's it's a fun process to think about it in this way. And uh, I learned so much. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Thank you, Candace. I, I feel like you know, sure. can we do this again next week? Well, you week? still have to talk about all sorts of things like letting go, <laughs> which like kind of... <laughs> I love that topic. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the, that, that was one of up. the ones that kept me up. And what we resist persists. Like how, just looking that at that in different ways, and through the body. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, a little teaser for our next podcast mm-hmm. whenever that comes. But let's do it. You've set up <laughs> a perfect cliffhanger for next time. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Okay, definitely see you next time. And. Just want to Thank say you, one Candace. more thing, actually. Thank you so much for offering the music for the Embody podcast, the intro and outro music. It's still, I still use it. It's still on every single <laughs> podcast <laughs> and you created it. It's so lovely. I know. I love it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful for Nick's presence out in the world and what he's doing in support of other people and 
In growing the work of family constellations in his unique way, it's really beautiful to uh, be challenged by his work and to learn and grow from it and also to exchange in the ways that we do um, as friends and as colleagues. Thank you so much, Nick, and thank you all out there for listening. I hope this does give you something to nibble on as we close today. Be sure to check out Nick's website if you're interested in his work or the retreat coming up and uh, his Instagram where he shares a lot of his writing. And again, his website is nicknwerber.com. And you can find all of the links at the show notes related to this episode at candacewu.com slash Nick part two. And as we send each other forward into this new year, 2020, this has already been quite a long podcast, so I'm just going to pretty much close it out from here and send you off with, of course, Nick's lovely intro-outro music. If you're interested in staying connected, you can feel free to sign up for my newsletter at candacewu.com slash embody, where I share all about the podcast and the experientials and meditations that come out, as well as events, self-love notes, and updates about me. Thanks so much, and see you next time on the Embodied Podcast. Thank you.